Welcome to the Magnificat Podcast. We are an international ministry to Catholic women. Throughout this series, we will pray together, share insights, and hear amazing testimonies, typically from women of faith who have been touched by the power of the Lord in their lives. This is a decidedly Catholic podcast, and in this series, you will hopefully learn more about the Catholic faith, God, the Blessed Mother, and much more. Thanks so much for joining us. Now let's listen to a great program. I'm so honored to be invited to speak to you today, and my preparation for today has helped me to reflect on how very good God is. Even in those difficult times in our life, when it seems to overwhelm us. My hope today is that first of all, God would be glorified by my sharing. And my prayer is that your ears and heart and spirit are open and pliable for God's word specifically for you now, where you are in life this day. My intent is that this talk be an opportunity to shed light on the ways God has worked, supported, and embraced me during difficult events in my life. I believe it's a good thing that God doesn't tell us up ahead what's coming. Mary probably felt that way too later. Would she have said yes if she knew all she was going to have to do? She probably would have. She was full of grace. I humbly join with our blessed Mother Mary in what she said to Elizabeth in her greeting. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on this lowly servant. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. I grew up in Rhode Island, and as a cradle Catholic, I always had a deep spirituality. During my high school years, I had made a perpetual consecration to Our Lady through an organization called Sodality. Have any of you heard of that? Oh, one. I tried to live a structured, prescribed method of prayer each day, attended morning mass, and upon graduation from high school, I followed my dream. I entered the Sisters of the Presentation of the Blessed Virgin Mary. That's a mouthful. And it's a semi-cloistered teaching order in Fitchburg, Massachusetts. I stayed three days. I'm ever so grateful that our Lord showed me right away that's not what he had in mind for me. He wanted to use me in other ways. A few years later, I met and married Bill, and we moved from Rhode Island to his hometown, Rochester, and enjoyed a wonderful life together. We have three children, a daughter, Robin, two sons, Mike and Gary. Have you ever felt so happy that you could burst because you just couldn't contain it. That's how I felt those early years of our marriage. We were so blessed. We had a new home, he had a great job, and three healthy children. After about 10 years of raising kids, I began to question why was I going to church? It was a practice in patience, just trying to keep the kids quiet. Any of you moms probably can relate to that and not have them bother the people around us. I remember coming home one time and saying to myself, why am I going to Mass anyway? I'm supposed to love God. I don't even know Him. Shortly after that, I heard about a woman's retreat the parish was sponsoring at a local retreat house. I signed up and went away for the weekend. What I'm going to share with you now is called my threshold experience. Some people 
call it being born again. As the retreat master began to talk, I was deeply moved. He said these words, and I'm repeating them for you today to consider for yourself. Do you know that God loves you? That he loves you completely right now? He will not love you less if you do wrong, you doubt him. He will not love you more if you obediently follow his will always. He loves you completely, right now, just as you are. There's nothing more you can do to earn more of his love. He loves you now, just as you are. Those words resonated within me. I thought I had to earn his love, to always be in his favor. I guess I didn't believe that he could love me singularly, an individual. I felt within me that Jesus was just up in heaven, but I found out that he was alive right now, present in the Eucharist, present in his words, scripture, present in his children his people, and he was also alive within and around me through the power of his Holy Spirit. I had not, at that point, reasoned or understood what I'm saying to you now, but I felt it. I felt it within my spirit. Every liturgy, everything spoken by anyone, it was all charged and filled with his love. I went to confession, and I confessed a grudge I had been holding for someone who had hurt me. Not only was I forgiven, but I was transformed within. I no longer felt hatred toward her. And I wrote her a letter on that weekend asking for her forgiveness for not having forgiven her when she asked for it. I actually felt love for her too. She had written me a letter about a year before asking for forgiveness. And the good Christian that I am, I threw the letter in a drawer and I said, It'll be a cold day in hell before I forgive her. It was a cold day in hell that day. <laughs> the next morning, I woke up early. I was hearing a voice within me saying, I call you by name, Louise. Wow, is that my imagination? Again, I call you by name, Louise. I realized it was God, and I thought that he wanted me to get up and go down to the chapel. They have all-night adoration at that retreat house, and you sign up for an hour. And knowing that I wouldn't get back to sleep, decided not to sign up, and so I felt guilty. Thinking God just wanted me to come down for adoration, I continued to resist, reasoning. The girl in the neighboring bed, she'll wake up if I start rustling around the room. I continued to hear. I call you by name, Louise. Finally, I relented, got up. She didn't even stir. I get down to the chapel and I said, okay, I'm here, Lord. Then I realized, as I said that, the deeper meaning behind my words. He didn't want me just to come down to the chapel. He wanted me to surrender to him. He wanted me to give my life to him, to serve him, to love him, and to accept his will. Only through his grace could I say, yes, Lord. Here I am. Here I am. I trust you. I know that whatever you ask, whatever I am to do, I won't be alone. You will be with me. I felt that I was in love with him. I later could not understand why others on the same retreat could not hear or feel what I was feeling, that they couldn't experience embracing love. It was my unique experience. It's what I needed. I know I did nothing to have that experience. But within, I desired to know God more, and he responded. He revealed himself to me. Coming home felt like culture shock. Kids, laundry, meals. And yet within me, I felt like I was on a honeymoon with Jesus. I had an insatiable desire to read scripture, and I understood it. And my poor husband could not understand my enthusiasm or my insistence that he needed to go on retreat too. I felt that if he went on when he would experience what I was feeling, he didn't want to go. And as I prayed, I began to understand that it's in God's time and way for each person. That if he could draw me to him, he could guide and lead them to him too. Others may not experience 
such a dramatic one as I had, but God loves us all, and we can experience his love if we're open to him. I eventually began to participate in a charismatic prayer group out of my parish. That helped me to remain faithful and strong in my relationship with God, because eventually that honeymoon feeling faded. Just like when you get married, you want to be together all the time, but after a while... The honeymoon feeling fades, and you rely on your commitment, my commitment to God, and it was based on my belief in Him and not on my feelings. I learned through the prayer group members that what I had experienced was called being baptized in the Holy Spirit. It is a dying to self and giving over to Jesus, an enlivening of the Holy Spirit received in the sacraments of baptism and confirmation, and ignited and released by my saying yes, to Jesus. A simple exclamation of baptism in the Holy Spirit is this. If you have a glass of milk and you add chocolate syrup to it, the syrup just sinks to the bottom. It's there, but until you stir it up, it doesn't taste like chocolate milk or coffee milk if you're from Rhode Island. The Spirit needs to be stirred up to permeate our spirit, saying, yes, Lord, fill me. Use me. Stir up the gifts you've given me so I can glorify you with my life. Several months later, I asked God to prove to me that I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and he did give me the gift of tongues, a new prayer language that I can use to praise him more and more effectively pray for other people. Every day life went on until the illness and death of my father-in-law in 1980 and a series of serious illnesses of my mother-in-law. While we were dealing with that, my oldest child was in her adolescent years and having behavioral issues. That was putting it mildly. I tried to trust God. God had been working in her as a young child. I kept praying with scripture and repeated Philippians 1.6. I am confident in this, that the one who began a good work in you will continue to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. That offered me hope. I knew God loved her and would not let her go. I really believe that. She ran away from home for five days when she was 14. We had to have her picked up by the police. She was not happy. Things went from bad to worse, and we went for counseling, and then Bill and I went to a support group called Tough Love. Tough Love is very helpful for families that are going through difficulties with their children. It helps you to recognize that children need to suffer the consequences of their actions, Sometimes we have to help them with that. We were looking for different ways to help her and for our family to relate better. Finally, just into her freshman year in high school, never having had a first date, just hung around with neighborhood kids, she became pregnant. She was delighted and proud that she was having her 20-year-old boyfriend's baby. The gap grew between us. Tensions were really high in our home. And finally, with the help of the Catholic Family Center of Rochester, we were able to have her go to stay at Melita House, which is a home for pregnant young women run by the Sisters of Mercy. She lived there for five months, and eventually we moved her to a foster home for the last few weeks of her pregnancy. We had been advised that a 14-year-old mother doesn't usually want to keep her baby after it's a few months old. Reality sets in. They miss the fun that their friends are having, and the endless responsibilities that a baby brings is overwhelming. We had lost control of her and were afraid because of her age 
that she would not want the responsibility of a child that she brought into the world. So foster care seemed to be the best option for all of us. I was having trouble seeing light at the end of the tunnel. Bill's mom was dying, and we were struggling with Robin's situation. Again, I turned to scripture, Hebrews 11.1. What is faith? It is the confident assurance that something we want to happen is going to happen. It is the certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us, even though we cannot see it up ahead. I had to hope that things would resolve, that God loved and cared for each of us, and I had to believe that good would come from this circumstance no matter how dismal it seemed. That good was Brandon. Brandon James was born September 21st, 1983, just six weeks after Bill's mom died. One of the hardest things I had to do was to pick up Robin and Brandon at the hospital and drive them to another woman's home, her foster mother, to care for my daughter and grandson, to have another woman teaching her parenting skills. She was so rebellious. She would have never listened to me trying to show her. It was the only healthy way we could see for our whole family. I prayed to Mary as I drove away, asking her to be with Robin and with me. Mary had lost her son in the temple when he was 12. She might have felt the same thing I was feeling, helpless, feeling like a failure as a mother. When Brandon was four months old, it became apparent that it was time to bring them home. The foster mother could not keep them any longer for her own personal reasons. Robin had settled into taking responsibility for him, so she came to live with us. She was on probation for six months, so if she acted out again, they, they would both be in foster care somewhere else. She was now into her sophomore year. I still worked part-time in a school from 10 to 2. She and the boys went to school each morning on the bus. I would get ready for work and wake up Brandon, get him fed and dressed for the day, and I drove him to the former foster mother's home who babysat him while I was at work. On my way home, I picked him up and swung over to the high school to pick up her so she could be his parent, not me. It was important to her that Brandon knew she was his mom. It was an interesting household where everyone called me mom, except Brandon. He would call me mom too, but I would have to say, oh, I'm grandma. It was important to her, especially, that he knew she was mom. It took all of us a lot of hard work and lip biting to live together as her parents, still bringing her up as she brought up her little boy. She did great. She proved the statistics wrong. She was a good mom. Ten years later, when my children were grown and the boys had gone, one to the Navy and another one to college, and returned. You know that rotating door? <laughs> Especially nowadays with the price of everything, they come back. <laughs> So we were five adults and one child, Brandon, had five people keeping an eye on him. Then the world tumbled in. My husband of 27 years came home one evening, declaring his love for another woman. I was in total disbelief, total shock. I did not see that one coming at all. Within two weeks, he moved out of our home and into their apartment. Chaos reigned. Raw emotion was everywhere. Each of my children and I tried not to show our pain. We didn't want to hurt one another because we were all betrayed, all left with no indication of problem. He just changed his life around and moved on. Almost immediately, I heard God's voice within me. I will never leave you. His promise once again, he would be with me through it all. I turned to scripture again. 
Psalm 46. God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in distress. Therefore we fear not, though the earth be shaken, the Lord of hosts is with us. Our stronghold is the God of Jacob. I had to believe that he would be with me through this terrible time. I went for counseling, trying to grapple with this stranger that showed up one day and said he was leaving. How could that be? How could my peaceful, loving husband just walk away from the family that he loved? We had weathered so much and come out stronger through it, when many other families would have fallen apart before this. How could he do this? Maybe it'll pass. He'll come home. He'll come to his senses. He didn't. And I asked God to guide me through his Holy Spirit to know what to do. I never thought that this could happen to me or to us. So I did not know where to turn. A fellow co-worker suggested a lawyer. That was wrenching to me, and it dissolved me to tears. Believe it or not, I felt like I would be disloyal to Bill. Even think about it. I couldn't pray. I was numb and raw all at the same time. I worried about my children and grandchildren, all in their 20s by now. Brandon was 10, but realized I couldn't help them when I was so broken myself. I had to trust God. I needed to get healthy so I could deal with this myself before I could help them. They were adults. They'd find their own way. I just had to entrust them to God. I prayed for Bill, that he would not alienate himself from God. I asked God to help me not to be bitter and to help me to be able to function. God showed was with me even though I didn't necessarily sense his presence. Scripture once again was a source of strength. Ever since our separation I have lived with Jeremiah 29:11. For I know well the plans I have in mind for you says the Lord. Plans for your welfare not for woe. When you go to pray to me I will listen to you. When you look for me you will find me. Yes when you seek me with all your heart You will find me with you, says the Lord, and I will change your lot. About a year later, my daughter heard me crying in the bathroom by myself. She knocked on the door and handed me a clipping from the newspaper about a group. She says, Mom, I can't help you, but maybe this group can. Obviously, she had matured a bit. It was called Beginning Experience, B-E for short. I called the number and was invited to a small six-week group that was just starting. I went and found a safe place that I could cry and hear other people's stories and pain. I was not alone. Then I went on a Beginning Experience weekend and found the path for healing that I needed. Beginning Experience was founded by a nun and a divorced woman and modeled on marriage encounter. They realized that there was a need for people who were experiencing the loss of someone that they loved due to death, separation, or divorce. It was life-saving for me. It is formed in the Catholic Church, too, by the way. I had made new friends who were also suddenly single and not looking for a new mate, but sincerely trying to heal. I remained involved with it for over 10 years and have seen hundreds of men and women grow through their loss and pain to become whole again. During those years of healing, I tried to get over the hurt and find some way of forgiving Bill for the damage that caused me and our children. So I looked to God. I began by saying, God, I don't feel like forgiving him, but I know that if I don't, the only one who will be hurt is me. Resentment and anger will cripple me and keep me distant from you and suspicious of other people. I knew and I know that in the Lord's Prayer it says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So if I expected to be forgiven by God, I had to forgive them. So I said, God, I desire to try to forgive. Sometimes in my hurt, the best I could muster up is, 
God, I need your help. I am trying to want to try to forgive, or I'm trying to desire to want to forgive, but I can only do it with your grace. I've learned that forgiveness doesn't happen overnight. Forgiveness is a process, and it would take varying degrees of desiring to try to forgive. Forgiveness, like love, is a decision we make. And the decision to forgive has nothing to do with feelings. Eventually, after many times of asking God to help me to begin to forgive and reminding myself that I have decided to try to forgive, was I finally able to forgive? That doesn't mean it's all said and done now. We're human. I'm human. And I would see Bill at family functions. And those old hurt feelings would come back. And I have to remind myself that I have decided to forgive. And with God's help, I'm doing that. It is a process, and it took me years. And forgiving doesn't mean forgetting. God doesn't expect that of us. He wants us to use our newfound freedom as we move forward. Lastly comes the feeling. And only with God's grace can I actually feel forgiveness for Bill. When our divorce was final, I immediately applied for an annulment of our marriage in the church. At that point in time, I did not ever intend to marry again, but I needed to feel right with the church. I needed a sense of finality. I cannot say that the annulment process is without pain, but it was helpful to go through. And once the annulment was granted, I felt validated by the church. There were good reasons why our marriage didn't, about why our marriage failed, and they stemmed from issues within our families of origin, which did not leave us fully committed to a sacramental marriage. During the years after my marriage ended, I wondered, what am I going to do now with the rest of my life? I've already had my children. I'm not going to get married again. What am I going to do? So I asked myself, what's my passion? What excites me? Well, spirituality does. So I began taking classes at St. Bernard's School of Theology and Ministry, which is in Rochester. Over the next six years, while working full-time in a doctor's office, I earned certifications in pastoral ministry. Then I was offered an opportunity to use it. I was hired as a pastoral minister at my own parish, where I had been a parishioner for 33 years. For the next six years, I served the parish and the people in many ways. I just loved it. Then our beloved pastor left for personal leave of absence, and a woman pastoral administrator, she was named to be in charge of the parish. I was overjoyed because I had had her as a teacher at St. Bernard's. Shortly after she got there, she decided to eliminate my position to help balance the budget. I was devastated. A few weeks after I lost my job, she began calling me and leaving me messages asking me to meet her for breakfast or lunch. After the fourth message asking me to meet her, I told God, okay, if there's a lesson in this for me, I'll go with her, but she's going to call me again. She did, and we met for breakfast. She proceeded to tell me about all the changes she had made in the parish office and invited me to follow her back there so I could see what she had done. She showed me my old office and said, doesn't it look nice now? We use it for volunteers. I was in pain. I was so hurt, I couldn't believe she could be so insensitive. And on my way home, I prayed and asked God, what is this about? Can you shed some light on this? He did. I felt him saying that 
she doesn't get it. It's not that she's insensitive. She does not have the capability to feel or to sense someone's pain. She just doesn't get it. That was an aha moment for me, a great lesson. She actually thought I would be thrilled to see the changes. She doesn't get it. I reflected on what Jesus said on the cross. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. It certainly makes it easier to forgive. There have been situations since that I have benefited from that lesson. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. I eventually reached a point where I was ready to have someone in my life. I have been single for over 10 years. I felt I was ready to consider trusting again. I missed being special to someone. I know I'm special to Jesus, but I yearned for someone I could see and talk to, someone to share my life with, someone to grow old with. I prayed, gosh, God, what's wrong with me? It's been over 10 years now. I've been alone, and why doesn't anyone notice me or just take me out for dinner? I did have a number of good male single friends that I hung out with, but no one I was in love with or they with me. I remember that I whined to a dear priest friend of mine. His name is Father Bill. One Wednesday when we met for lunch, he prayed for me that I would have peace in my life. Then the following Sunday, I went to a beginning experience event, and on Monday, I received a call from a gentleman named Bob who had been there, and he invited me out to dinner. Cool timing, God. And a quick answer to Father's prayer. My other single friends asked me to put their name on Father Bill's prayer list. Bob and I have been married now for the last 14 years. And our friend Father Bill officiated. Bob is a very devout Catholic man who showers with me with love and attention. And he can cook, ladies. (laughs) He rules the kitchen. (laughs) He does let me cook once in a while. We both desire and commit to a having God in the center of our marriage and relationship. I thank God for having heard the desire of my heart almost immediately after I voiced it. I'm so grateful that Bob came into my life because his presence and support helped me through the next chapter of my family's life. Six months after meeting Bob, on July 20th, 2005, I received a call from my daughter to come to the hospital. Brandon, who is now 21 years old, had been hurt at work. I'm picturing a broken arm and innocently asked if he broke something. No, Mom, please come. Does he need surgery? No. She begins to cry. He's gone, Mommy. Her child, her life, our Brandon, the family joker, the joy of all of us, a wonderful 21-year-old man who struggled all through his school years with learning disabilities, who went on to school for heavy equipment operations, was successfully employed as a construction worker and proud of it. He was a clean kid, had no alcohol or drug problems. He was loved by his two families and respected by his former teachers, co-workers, family, and friends. Brandon, who burst into life when it seemed so inconvenient. Brandon, who as a child loved to play in dirt, was buried up to his shoulders when an unsupported trench he was working in collapsed. He lived two hours and died during surgery. God, where are you? Where are you? His response, I'm here. I will never leave you. Brandon's funeral was at our family's parish where I worked. At his funeral, I observed his life a full circle. He was baptized at that font in this church, made his first communion here, and now we celebrate his welcome into eternal life here as well. This gift of life we didn't plan on, this wonderful young man, gone. How do we bear the pain? My daughter's only child, 
God. My daughter is suffering, and I can't fix it for her. And I experienced a double loss, loss of my grandchild, who I had a hand in raising, and the helplessness and pain as I watched my daughter suffer. Mary lost her child, too. I prayed that Mary would wrap Robin in her mantle to join in her sorrow, strengthen and comfort her. Today, that prayer is being answered. God is good. All the time. All the time. Thirteen years ago, part of Robin's journey of grief brought her to a rehab facility for several weeks where she was asked to kneel in prayer for half an hour each evening. Not having gone regularly to church, she couldn't remember her prayers of youth, so she asked someone to write out the Hail Mary. She prayed that every evening, and during those weeks, somehow, miraculously, she met Mary under the title of Our Lady of Guadalupe. That is a miracle. I, I'm just going to die for us here. Because I never knew anything about Our Lady of Guadalupe, and it took me about probably a year to get all the information out of Robin. Mary Guadalupe was pregnant. So it just was fascinating to me that she would somehow connect with my daughter. Mary revealed herself to Robin's heart and spirit, revealing herself as another mother who also lost her only son. Robin's devotion to Our Lady today is centered on her desire to bear that loss as Mary has with grace, strength, and a lack of self-pity. I'm so grateful to Mary for what she's done for my daughter, something I couldn't do. Mary's so faithful and always interceding for us to her son, always pointing to Jesus. Most of us have suffered grief. I'm sure many of you have painful stories as well. We all grieve differently. For a long while, I felt disconnected from God. I didn't want to talk to him because all I would do was cry. I made a few attempts at journaling, and in one attempt, I wrote out my feelings to God in what I now call morning prayer, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, morning. Oh God, I come before you, seeking your face, racked with pain, emotions spent, no energy, drained of tears, my arms hanging limp beside me. Where are you? Where are you? I look around, I cannot see you. Have you left me here alone to suffer in my grief? in sadness. Then a whisper in my ear, I am here. I'll never leave you. And awareness comes. You are here. With your arms wrapped around my body, my numb body, supporting me and giving me strength. Your arms enfold me in your love, even though I'm too battle-worn to feel them. Your words, I am here. Give me courage to look ahead with hope. And even though I cannot lift my feet yet to move ahead, I can just be for now, still in pain, but not alone. You're so close, I cannot see you, but your whisper reassures me. I am here. I will never leave you. I believe that it was not God's design that Brandon would die now, but man's error. I believe that God knew it, but he didn't make it happen. Life happens, and sometimes it's messy. Sin is in the world, and we all get affected by it, by our sin and by the sins of others. But we know as Christians that God is always with us even in the messy stuff and that he can bring good through it as we trust him and rely on him. He will never leave us. I'm depending on that. And again, this scripture keeps reminding me, for I know well the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for your welfare, not for woe. Plans to give you a future full of hope. When you call me, when you go to pray to me, 
I will listen to you. When you look for me, you will find me. Yes, when you seek me with all your heart, you will find me with you, says the Lord, and I will change your lot. I would encourage you to trust your lot to him. If you've never surrendered yourself to our loving God, to his care and his love for you, consider asking him to enlighten you, to lead you to a place where you can trust him and his plan for your life. I invite you to close your eyes as I lead us in prayer. Lord, your word tells us, be not afraid. I go before you always. Come, follow me and I will give you life. Help us, Lord, to be able to let down our barriers that we have put up in protection. Heal us, Lord, from the hurt and pain, mistrust, fear, and doubt that have built those walls around me. Let's just visualize those walls that we put up melting away as we approach God. If you desire to surrender to him, pray along with me in your own heart, please. Loving God, as you beckon me to come to you, take down the barriers that hold me back. Loose my feet so that I can run to you. Unbind my heart and arms so I can embrace you. Forgive me, heal me, and renew me. Convince me, Lord, that you love me completely and will never leave me. I surrender myself and my life to you. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit your spirit of joy, of peace, your spirit of love. I trust you to work in and through my life. Thank you, God. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this Magnificat podcast. Have you been touched by our time together? If so, for more information or to find a Magnificat chapter near you, go to our website at magnificat-ministry.org or visit us on social media. We would love to hear from you. You can also email us at magnificatcst at aol.com or call 504-828-MARY, M-A-R-Y. Until the next time, may God bless you.